Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. And again and again, we're making education your business here at the Middle States Commission on Higher Education Annual Conference, MSCHE. You know where we are. We're in Philadelphia. Shout out to Dr. Heather Perfetti, um, who has brought us here and said, you can come. Um, you have to... Uh, buy special tickets because we don't like you that much. <laughs> and no, she didn't do any of that. She brought us here. She said, come interview all these great people that are affiliated with middle states. And it has been an amazing journey. Of course, shout out to Lead Squared, our sponsor who brought us, uh, who allowed us to get here. And we've recorded some, um, I would just say pretty incredible episodes. Um, so many incredible episodes that Deborah Solmore, my guest co-host, is so tired. She's so tired. She doesn't even want to talk anymore. Is that true, Deborah? Me not want to not talk that, again. Right. No, yeah, I, I know that's such a. What do you think of the episodes we've recorded today? Uh, well, I'm going to give you a shout out first, Joe, for ha inviting me to come co-host with you. This has just been a, a you know wonderful experience. We have recorded so many different people from all walks of the higher ed ecosystem, and just really inspiring people. It's been a wonderful day. So. I'm excited to have been able to participate in this. You know what you. I, I get to say now to somebody else? You're not the only one cursed with knowledge. Right, because now I, you're full of knowledge, too. I think you used that one on me before. I did use it on today. you before, I but I think it's your your thing now. I know. All right. Well, we've got two amazing guests here today. Uh, I'm not sure what to make of this combination, other than I feel like it's going to be good. Uh, maybe a little too good, depending. We might have to have new sound effects. I, yeah, I don't know what to do. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, first... She is the president of the Middle States Commission on Higher Education. She's Dr. Heather Perfetti. Heather, welcome back to an EdUp microphone. Thank you, Joe. I gave you a shout out before I introduced you, for the record. I did note that. Mm -hmm. Put that in the positive column. I think I'm getting some points to offset the negative points. Now I think I'm catching up. I, get, I got you the EdUp mug, the co-hosting mug. I thought that was a wine glass. It, it's a wine mug. I like to call it a wine mug. Okay. <laughs> I want a wine mug. We, uh, of course, we, uh, Heather is a two-time and soon-to-be-more co-host of the EdUp Experience, so she, get, she got her own EdUp mug. Uh, but this time, you're back in the guest chair, and we're going to talk about this conference. We're going to talk about um, expectations and reality and that they align for you and all that, but we have another great guest. I'm having trouble talking right now. Is anybody noticing this? Like, I'm, you know. Anyway, I've talked a lot today. Ladies and gentlemen, my other guest, as I get myself ready here, here she is. She's Dr. Davy Gilmore. She is chair of the commission at MSCHE and president emeritus of Pennsylvania College of Technology. I think I got it right. You did, Joe. Perfect. Davy, how are you? I am wonderful. It's been a great day, great conference. Um, so let's start, uh, Heather, back over with you. Um, first of all, congratulations on pulling off this conference with, a, I think, a pretty decent attendance. There must have been 15, 16, 1,700 people around here. What expectations met with attendance? How do you feel? It absolutely was. And every time I give a number, someone tells me the number has gone up since I've given the last number. So we are saying nearly 1,500 at this point, which is the largest conference we have ever hosted. Get out so of here. So we are certainly pleased with that, met our expectations. But more importantly, Joe, I've got to thank you. Don't um, thank me. I have to thank you. Um, I know this is your first um, podcasting from an accreditation conference. And I know you were very excited uh, to collaborate on that. And so we are very excited to have you here. But more importantly, I'm appreciative of the ways you've included our commission in the work that you do and the way that your podcast has expanded um, really probably beyond your wildest dreams when you first started, started well, yeah, out. Yeah, nobody listened when we first started. I, was, I begged my wife and my mom, I'm like, can you please listen so I can get two? 
Um, now we average somewhere between five, 500 and a thousand listens per episode. Um, and we get to do what we really believe this podcast is about, which is to celebrate the hard work of higher education, especially when we're in an embattled environment. Davey, you probably know a little bit about that, right? That yes. things have changed a little bit from um, higher ed leadership of 20 years ago to today. Talk about your journey as a president, as um, a, you know, your institution. What was it like before? What's it like now? How has it changed over time? Well, it's been fascinating. You know, I, I was president for 24 years. So in 24 years, you see a big shift. You amazing. See, <laughs> amazing is right. I survived it all. Um, you see a shift from the expectations of students, expectations of families and parents, and then you see expectations of the world around in terms of what people want to see from students when they leave college. What people think about college in general, is it still what it's supposed to do and be? And then, um, the political landscape, of course, is a challenge in terms of is college doing everything the world needs? Oh. And so when you put that all together, it was an incredible ride. Um, most importantly, though, you transform lives when you see the students and what they do. And that's what made you get up every day and face whatever you faced in terms of that president's chair so that you could see students be successful. And there's nothing more rewarding than that. What's the, what's the, the golden nugget? for your longevity in higher ed. What's that thing when somebody calls you and says, Davey, how did you do this? How, how did you get to this point? Is there a secret to longevity at the, at the presidential level? I think there is a secret. The secret is a team of people who believe in the mission of where you work, whether that's a community college, a research university, a private institution, a public institution, doesn't matter. If you believe in your mission, you're surrounded by people who are committed to that mission there's really nothing you can't accomplish. And then you have to make sure that you um, are willing to put in more than a day's eight hour day. I mean, that goes more without 25 saying. 25 hours in a 24 hour yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Um, because you have, to, you have to believe that mission in your heart and your soul. And that means doing things that you would never necessarily think about having to do. Um, I used to say when I couldn't schedule a student anymore, I should stop being a president. I could do that when I was a faculty member. I could do that when I was a dean and when I was a provost. And um, I did it till the day I retired. That's a fact. That's a fact. Good for you. Thank you. All right, Deborah, you're on. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, by the way, I did download for you, Heather. Accreditation. I had to get something. <laughs> I I, I've, I've been playing that one quite a bit. Good. He, he has. He, he seems to have a sound, a sound for, for everybody. Everything. Um, what are the biggest challenges that you're seeing right now? I mean, we spent the whole day talking to, as I said earlier, to sort of different people in different areas. And it's been really fascinating to hear, depending on where you sit in the higher ed ecosystem, what you think are the biggest challenges of today. So what are you, what are you finding are the biggest challenges of today for running an institution? You know, I think one of the greatest challenges is that everybody can be an armchair quarterback in terms of what's happening. And so everybody's willing to tell you what you're doing right or wrong. I love that armchair quarterback, right? It's just like literally visual. Mm -hmm. It's so, so true. So, you you know, you, you get criticized for a lot and uh, people fail to look under the fluff and see what's really going on and how we are impacting lives. All you have to do is walk around the poster session today and talk to the students and look at the research they're doing and listen to them. And to hear about a student who's never been to a conference, never presented before, and they're standing there and they're doing it. And then you listen to what they've done 
And it's, it just reassures your faith in what's happening. But there are a lot of people out there who are willing to tell you what you're not doing right. And so you've got to get your message out. You've got to be willing to be the prophet and say, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing right. These are our student successes. This is what it means. And uh, the measures are not always what people think. The measures are in milestones and accomplishments that are life-changing. I, I think you sort of raise a good point, which is, you have to have the power to just be confident in what you're doing and have thick skin and know, you know, mm -hmm. trust your gut, trust your mm -hmm. instinct, trust your experience. Um, I came to higher ed absolutely by accident about a decade ago. I, I was the head of litigation for one of the publicly traded uh, proprietary schools. And I wanted the job because it was a litigator's dream job. There was so much going on there. And I really had no interest in higher, no, I really had no interest or knowledge about higher ed. And, uh, after I was there about a month, one of our other deputy GCs came in my office and said, you know, you're going to see all of the worst allegations about everything we do here. He said, the best piece of advice I can give you is get out, go to our campuses, see our students, because it will change your perspective. And it was just an amazing piece of advice. And so to your point, even in my role as lawyer, I went to graduations. I have three children, two have already graduated college. I don't think I cried at either one of their graduations. Liar. But, <laughs> but you go out and you see how you're, even in my role as a lawyer, how I'm contributing to success of students. And I agree with you. It is just this uplifting to your golden nugget question, right? It is just this uplifting experience. Heather, I want to shift to you for a second because uh, running a conference is kind of like a wedding and that all of these things need to go right, right? You go those. in with, we go in with um, this expectation. Um, did it meet your expectations to this point? Did, did you, are you walking away going, this was amazing? I am. I'm walking away thinking this was even more than amazing. We embedded a number of new initiatives into this conference and everyone is talking about how uh, they have benefited from those. The student poster sessions that Davey mentioned, this is only the second year that we've done that. And it's also um, just an incredible opportunity for students and the fact that there was such a great response to our call. Last year we had about 50 students, this time we had about 88 students. And they'll keep growing. And yeah. we are the only accreditor, to my knowledge, I always give that disclaimer, but to my knowledge, I'm the only, we are the only accreditor that is including students and centering students in their conference. Victory! So it we'll really, well, I appreciate it because it really is. And, what and, it's about, right? and when we talk to uh, all of these higher education professionals and leaders here, uh, that's the first thing they want to talk to us about now. And Sweet. we didn't even do that until last year. And so we are really proud of it. It is about how that aligns with our mission, with our vision, and with uh, what we expect of our institutions, centering our students. And if we can do it. As an accreditor, certainly institutions can uh, leverage that and heighten their attention to that uh, always. I want to ask you both a question, and then I'll pass it back to you, Deborah. But I, I've asked you this question before, but I'm going to keep asking it until we're able to change the way people think. So I might be asking you for a long time. There's a, uh, there is a segment of higher education that views the accreditor or accreditation to be a stifling body that... Um, you know, oh, the accreditor is coming in. You better hide under the curtains and, you know, put away the children. They're coming. And in today's world in particular, that can't be, and it's not the way it is, that 
you have to innovate and you're a partner in innovation is the accreditor. They are not the one preventing you from innovation. Davey, you first. Am I right or am I right? You're right. Thank you. <laughs> you're 100% right. <laughs> and the issue is simple. Um, he, there are standards in the world. Yep. There's codes of conduct, there's standards, there's things that we have to follow in life. That's the way it is. That our system has established that this accreditation is a key piece of the things in higher education and how certain things have to be accomplished. But, you know, what we tried to do was put the human side on accreditation through this conference. So we had an event now for the first time this year with the presidents and here's the commissioners, here's your liaison vice president. These are the people that you work with. And so if you have questions, you want to have a conversation, there's no agenda, just come and talk. And I, the feedback as I walked from table to table was this was wonderful. We finally got to put names and faces together. You know, these people are here Epic. to help you, here to make it easier for you. Not because it's an easy process, but it's a process that has deliberative, intentional steps because what we want to be is the best at what we do. And no matter what um, line of work you're in, you want to be the best at what you do. And the way to do that is to collaborate, is through peer review, is for standards, is for rigor. And the only way to get better is to continue to assess what you're doing and measure. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, how are you going to get better? So it, it's, a, it's a developmental educational process that works if you're willing to embrace it. Heather Soapbox, let's hear it. Well, you know that I am all about uh, busting those myths. I know you are. And uh, certainly our institutions prove every day that they are engaged in innovative work. And that means we're supporting that work because if we were obstacles to that, then they wouldn't be doing it. And you watch changes at our institutions every day. I also always note that we are part of a regulatory triad, and so there are limitations by the uh, federal government that we certainly have to balance with our responsibilities. But our institutions are change agents, we are change agents, and we all approach the work that we do, again, centering students. And so we're leveraging innovative work in so many different ways, and our conference is one of those. And we have really taken this opportunity to engage with our audience and to remind them of all of the ways that accreditation is about institutional reflection, institutional improvement, and making institutions the strongest that they can be for the benefit of their students. That is amazing. It's amazing. Um, it's no secret that times are very challenging for a lot of institutions right now and, you know, this idea for innovation and kind of different types of strategic partnerships and, and different creative arrangements. I'm wondering if there's sort of anything that either of you have seen recently that has sort of stuck out to you and been like, oh, wow, well, that was a really innovative way to solve some major problem. You know, I come from um, a nonprofit system um, in Chicago, and we looked at all kinds of strategic opportunities. And so I'm always curious as to sort of when people see things innovative and say, oh, you know, this actually, there's a general counsel walking past us. So um, she knows. You, yeah, right. If you've seen anything that you sort of, you know, stands out as you really being innovative. I'm not putting you on the spot. You could say no, or I can't talk about it, or but I'm just curious. Well, one of the things I, I think is innovative is that people are starting to realize they have to stick to their knitting. I mean, you know, everybody wants to be entrepreneurial and innovative and creative and, and do new and different things. 
one of the innovations that I think is is a little bit more telling is to say, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm that's not, a fact. I'm not that's a fact. going to add 10 new programs. I love that. I'm going to excel at what I do because can't be all things to all people kind of thing. can't be. And, you know, that's often great. I would have faculty say to me, we should have a program in X. And I would say, well, do you know that the, these five universities in our neighborhood have those programs? We don't need to do that. They're doing it well. But here's what nobody has. And this is what we're going to be really good at. And so this whole idea of sticking to your mission and your knitting about what you're really good at, I think is the new innovation mm. is knowing your niche, staying there and becoming really good at it. And I am sure that you see sort of the exact opposite where people come in, we're going to have a new program, we're going to have a new campus, and they think that's the way they're going to generate yes. revenue. Because it's harder enrollment. to scale. It's, it can be harder to scale that way. So you'll see um, institutions playing at the edges to say, and I always use this, this example because it's reality. Um, you know, we're going to have this demographic cliff for the 18 to 24 year old. But the adult student market, there's a lot of opportunity there. So I'm going to take my traditional model that I have, and I'm going to go after the adult student. And I'm going to just extend these traditional resources to the adult student. They're going to come to my warm embrace in my institution. And it's totally different. It takes different different programs. You have to have different um, design, instructional design. You have to have different modes of assessment. You have different faculty expectations. So much of it is you can't just do it, to your point. You can't just decide but you see that in the higher ed press all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I would also say that one of the um, benefits of accreditation and for our institutions, as they prepare for self-study, they're thinking about their priorities. In fact, that's a critical piece of preparing for self-study. As an institution, what are our priorities? And how does data inform those priorities? And so it helps to get at those conversations where maybe the institution's going in a direction they shouldn't go. And maybe a more innovative direction is being informed by data and can help them establish a priority that they can drive during the process of self-study and then accomplish and celebrate. The other piece of it is recognizing when an innovate, innovative practice or approach or initiative didn't end so well. Ah. It, it's not going how we thought. It's not giving us what we envisioned and to find a way to move in a different direction then instead the of staying, staying committed to what's not working. Well, for me, that is a very important point. I applaud the leader of the institution and the faculty at the institution who have the wherewithal to decide that a program needs to eliminate it because it's either not serving the good, it's not providing what students need, or it's duplicating effort and taking resources. That's an institution that knows how to get to the next level because they're willing to make those hard decisions. Well, it's t it can be typical for a recognition, a program has to go away, but to make it go away and for the people associated with that faculty and otherwise to be on board with that is a whole nother story when it comes to governance and models and all those kind of things. It can be difficult. And what puts pressure on us is pressure to grow, pressure for financial sustainability. I was talking to, to Kate before you guys came over and I said, you know, from I've been in higher ed for 23 years. I know I look like I'm only 22, but I've been around a while. Um, no laughs at all on that one. That's fine. Um, I, uh, but it used to be accreditation was always one. It was like a hundred percent focused on assessment and credit and um, quality and all of those things. And it's morphed um, to be financial, some financial aspects in nature because institutions closed. I mean, you saw the for profits and the 
early uh, 2010s and uh, there were all these closures. And it's like, well, wait a minute, we can, we can assess quality. We can assess uh, uh, student outcomes. But if you don't stay open, we can't assess these other things. How much of a focus is that for you all, the focus on finance? Oh, it's critical. And I think you asked about the challenges. Obviously, it's no secret that institutional finances is one of the areas that is presenting significant challenge for institutions. And so this may be why they are trying to think differently, uh, consider partnerships or other affiliations, think about innovative approaches that may help improve their financial stability. But for us, that is one of the critical areas of focus within our standards, as well as within uh, a number of monitoring activities, because it's one of the areas of challenge. So we're seeing mergers and acquisitions. We're seeing closures. We're seeing affiliations. We're seeing, as you know, I call them marriages and divorces or whatever we're going to call them, whatever name call them it is. Are. But it, it is it is by design because there is uh, the possibility of infrastructure instability financial instability, and institutions are trying uh, to find a way to protect themselves and to be as sustainable as possible. Again, and it's for the benefit of the students, also the community that they serve, but um, the, the finances is certainly one of the areas of, of challenge. Joe likes nothing better today for somebody to tell me I'm wrong. So I'm going to just throw it has out, been epic. Right. So I'm just going to throw out a thought and I'd be really curious to see what you think. So we talked a little bit about the for profits closing in 2011, 12, 13, whenever mm -hmm. that was. Then it seems to me that we had a few very high profile nonprofits that closed that fell apart, you know, fairly unexpectedly in the press anyway. And I wonder if, you know, that's really put pressure on the accreditors. You know, there was a lot of, I guess, you know, criticism of were they watching? Were they not watching? Did they see this coming? Did they not? And it really strikes me that that's not really the place where they're supposed to, not that they're not supposed to be looking, but that it's really incumbent on these institutions to have their leadership and their boards really understanding finance and understanding. And it seems like there's, a, in my opinion, a lack of financial literacy going on in leadership and, and in boards where there should be more. I think you're, you're not subject to the same pressures of publicly traded boards and, you know, maybe even, you know, for-profit or private equity boards. They're not watching the money the way in nonprofit, the way they are in a for-profit. But they should be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Issue. Right. Exactly. I mean, you, you know, today college presidents need to pay attention to the discount rate in a, you know, in a private institution, the discount rate is starting to make me so nervous that, mm. you know, those are the kinds of things you can't live off your endowment forever. So um, let me ask you, right, I love the idea of giving practical guidance. So you were, you were a president for many years. And if there are presidents out there listening, saying, I know she's right, I know I should be doing this, but I got to be honest, I'm not really sure. H how do I get, how do I educate myself? How do I get that knowledge? How do I figure out where I'm supposed to be looking? I think sometimes you get to that level. And if you don't know it, you're too afraid to ask for help or whatever. It's whatever. fuzzy math. Yeah, fuzzy math. So well, how do they learn? Well, you can start by looking around the Middle States Commission. We offer programs. We offer educational programs for college presidents. We offer for CFOs. We offer for academic leaders. I mean, there are programs out there. And there are other professional organizations that offer those. And so, you know, the, the college president who's foolish enough to not send their professional teams, their leadership teams for professional development is just 
putting off the inevitable because they're not going to learn, learn how to do those things. So those things need to happen. And, and you need to be willing to say, I don't know, and therefore I need to learn. Um, and, and there's a lot out there. And it's not always, you know, ultra expensive or out of reach, but presidents have to be willing to invest in their leadership and themselves to to do those kinds of things. But right now, finances should be, and I would hope, is at the top of the list of any college president, for-profit, not-for-profit, uh, private, public, because the you've got to make the numbers work if you're going to make everything else work. Well, and I think it's the shift to, you're running a business. You're not only running an institution, but your institution is a business. Well, and I would, I would also add uh, governance is another area of challenge. So you made the tie in your question, and I think we would also uh, indicate that that's just another area of challenge. I think that institutions should be looking at their board members and looking at and assessing their expertise. And we have a standard on governance, and we provide quite a bit of uh, educational opportunity for presidents, but also we invite their boards mm -hmm. to participate in that as well. And I will just know our webinars are free. So they are not only cost effective, but they come at no cost Surprise. to the institution. And so we, we really would encourage our presidents to consider greater participation of their board members in learning about us, listening about our work, and participating in our educational opportunities, including this conference where we get very few board members. Accreditation. And I wonder when the last time most boards sat down with the board skills matrix and really figured out, you know, these are the these are the areas today. Do I have a cyber expert? You know, do I have a, do I have a finance person who meets the requirements of Sarbanes-Oxley, even though I don't need them? But if I have someone with that talent, um, yeah, I think leadership and, bo and board governance are really huge challenges. I Dave, think your advice is great. Davey, what else do you want to say about middle states? To close out the episode here, we're going to give a final word to the Prez over here. Well, you know, I think it's a it's an organization where I'm immensely proud to be affiliated with it. And I am because um, they do stay very committed to their mission. They are grounded in their values. They have a sound strategic plan. And they're very committed to the institutions that they uh, are, a, a, you know, provide the accreditation for. Um, I also find that they are leaders in what they do, and they do more than just provide lip service to their institutions. And so well said. that means a great deal to me as a former president, because never did once I pick up the phone and not get sound advice, good advice and direction to help me as a leader and to help me in throughout the accreditation process. So it, it's a great organization. The conference is well worth your time and energy. And um, I could not be more proud than to have my affiliation here. Amazing. Dr. Heather Perfetti, last words about middle states and the time here in Philadelphia. Well, I would just simply note that all of the great people that you had an opportunity to interview and talk with, that's accreditation. Um, these are the individuals that are out in the trenches, that are working with institutions, that are providing advice to institutions on what they can do to become stronger and better. It is not about compliance. Yes, they have to demonstrate that they're in compliance with our standards and with federal regulation, but that's a collateral impact of the work we do. Accreditation is about the people here, the students that were here, and also about the ways that we as a community 
improve each other. And we stay focused on that. And we're very proud of that work. And I'm very fortunate to have a commission that is led by Davy Gilmore. Uh, we have a brave commission. Uh, we are more transparent. Uh, we are um, taking many approaches to innovative practices in accreditation, and it is serving us well, and it is serving our institutional representatives well, and most importantly, it's serving our students well. Mm. Students always at the beginning and the end of the decisions we make in higher ed. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, along with me by my side, Deborah Solmar, thank you for all of your help uh, on all, I don't know how many episodes we recorded today, and of course, our guests your guest today, Dr. Davy Gilmore. She's chair of the commission at MSCHE and the one and only, one of my favorite people in the world, Dr. Heather Perfetti, president of Middle States. Thank you ladies for being on the podcast today. We appreciate your time and having us here. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed upped. <laughs>